during the, the Olympic Games, it, and then you were teammates with some of the best fighters, and you like challenge yourself against some of the best, man. Hey, hey listen, that that was my attitude back then. You know, like I'm old school. Like I, I try to fight the best to be the best. I mean, that's why you're in it. You know, but now it's more like it's treated more as a business. You know, I didn't I didn't look at it back then so much about the money. Of course, you wanted to get paid. You wanted to make good money, but I'm like, man, look. I was a top amateur. I always fought the best. Like, I mean, I, uh, look, the Olympic trials, I fought Robert Allen, Antoine Echols, Lonnie Bradley. If you look at those guys' resumes, what they did in the pros, I mean, they did pretty well. Uh, that's why, you know, I always fought the best in amateur. So when I turn pro, I if I become champion, I want to fight the best, you know. So I, that's what I, that was my mentality. And I guess it was a mistake to a certain extent because, uh, you know, we when I became champion, I, I I guess if you want to call it milking the title, I could have fought guys that, you know, like when I defended my title against Romalis Ellis, who was an Olympic bronze medalist from the 88 Olympics, but he was naturally a smaller guy. You know, I knocked him out in four or five rounds on ABC World of Sports. Maybe I should have fought more guys like that until I fought, you know, the, the cash cow, which at that point was Oscar De La Hoya. <laughs> So you feel like uh, you should have – I know we're just jumping into this. But <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you feel like you should have uh, milked it a little bit more? Did the business I mean, if you, if you want to call it milking it, I mean, because that's what people do now. I mean, like, they're not – sometimes the, the best don't fight the best right away. Uh, yeah, why not? I mean, but I, I thought guys like – you know, nobody knew about Keith Mullins. Nobody knew about Mullins, but – Mullins was a good fighter, man. I knew him from the amateurs. Uh, he was in the Army. He was in the Olympic trials. And, uh, you know, when I lost the title, when I, me and him fought on, on the Camacho de la Hoya card, I got banged up pretty bad. I still think I pulled it out. It was a good close fight, but I was a champion. And we saw what he did the following, the same year in December. He, he, he knocked out the best guy in my era, terrible Terry Norris. And I... And I'd lost the title of your boy Capus because I was banged up. I tell everybody this story, man. It's oh, go ahead. Of course, and, I'm, and I'll be and I'll be eighty years old hopefully one day telling them the story because <laughs> you know I took that fight too soon when I fought Mullins. I got I got I got really bad cuts, man. I got I had like seventy some stitches or something like that. But I'm a warrior, you know. I I was still I still pulled it out, and here I am in September fighting Mullins, and then in December, not even three months later. I'm fighting a knockout artist like your boy Campus, and uh, I, sh- I took the fight too soon. My my face wasn't healed right. Uh, but why did I take it? Because you know pressure from the promoter. Me and my father were, you know, we were not experienced. We, we didn't know about the boxing game how how I know now, and and, uh, and the promise to fight Oscar the following year mm. for a lot of a lot of money, a big fight. And, you know, Oscar was the guy. So that's why I took that fight with your boy Campus. Uh, anyways, you guys know the story. They stopped it in the eighth or ninth round because uh, I got hurt. But I, could, I mean, if you saw my face, it was just blown up. It, it swelled up really bad because my face was not healed from – it was traumatized. That's what the doctor said. It, was, it looked fine from the outside, but the inside, it wasn't It wasn't healed right. So I just – face just blew up and, and uh, your boy Campus stopped me. But when he stopped me – all the, the, the fight was even. One judge had it for me. One judge had it for uh, Campus. One judge had it even. So it was an even fight. 
And uh, that same night on the De La Jolla Rivera, that was in Atlantic City, the uh, Oscar De La Jolla uh, Federal Rivera fight. Uh, Terry Norris defended his title against Keith Mullins, the guy that I had fought in September on the Camacho De La Jolla card. And uh, Keith Mullins knocks out terrible Terry Norris, man. So, I mean, we, you know, that, that gives you an example. What could have been, what could have happened? What if this, what if that? You know, just making the right decisions, business decisions. So when you think about accepting that fight, what sort of like things were in your mind? Did you like doubt? Well, what sort of doubts did you have in your mind? When I accepted the fight with uh, Campus? Yes. Oh, man, I, I was ready to beat Campus. And I, I'm telling you, I would have beat him. At that point, Campus was supposed to be the next Chavez, you know, from Mexico. Yes. He was a knockout artist. He had this crazy, incredible record. Um, but I was better than him, man. I just, uh, I, my attitude was to beat him and then fight Oscar the following year because that's what I, that's what the promoter, Bob Arum, top rank, was, they were talking about that. And uh, obviously it didn't happen. And um, the rest is history, yeah. But I, 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 I felt that I was going to beat my attitude. No, let's go. I'm going to beat Campus and we're going to fight Oscar. Yeah. So the ultimate goal would be to fight Oscar, who was also your Olympic teammate. Right. So how does that work out? Like, was he your friend? Well, that's a good question, man. Um, it's, it's business. It's boxing business, you know. But it would have been a very attractive fight. Uh, yeah, we were, we were roommates. We were friends and amateurs. And, you know, once you turn pro, everybody goes their own way. Things change. Things are not the same. I'm trying to fight for me, myself, and my family, and legacy. And you know, obviously, he he did his thing too. You know, so yeah. I mean, uh, even though we were roommates and stuff in the Olympics, uh, I was willing to fight. But obviously, that opportunity never came. But, but it's interesting to me mm -hmm. that you're you were Oscar De La Hoya's Olympic teammate, and people don't really see the fact that like the business side of the sport where. You guys were friends growing up, but then you had the same promoter growing up into the professional ranks, and then right. it's about making a name for yourself. Well, you know, like like I told you, I was a decorated amateur. Uh, okay. I'll tell you another true story, man. Uh, so in 2004, when the Super Bowl was uh, held in Houston, mm -hmm. I, get a, I, get a, you know, I get a phone call from uh, Leonard L.O.B. and stuff, and... Uh, you know, because they were looking for a legitimate 154 pounder to fight Floyd. You know, because Oscar has said, uh, you know, Floyd needs to fight somebody that's, you know, a good, a decent fighter at 154. I was that guy, and uh, it, I know Floyd came down for the Super Bowl, and I was looking for him all over the place. I said, let's make that <laughs> fight. <laughs> you know, because I want, I, why not? I, I, I love the challenge. You know, the pay did a challenge. Then Oscar came out like the next day. It, I think it's posted somewhere where Mayweather is looking to fight Raul Marquez at 154, blah, blah, blah. You know, to jump to 154, maybe try to get a fight with Oscar De La Hoya. Well, like two days later, Oscar come, and because Oscar had mentioned, you know, Floyd needs to fight somebody at 154. Two days later, I think it was on one of the, I think it was Max Boxing. Mm -hmm. They said, uh, Oscar has said, nah, I don't, I don't think I'm going to end up. One hundred five Floyd at this point, but that was in two thousand four, 
and then they fought. They ended up fighting in two thousand seven. Wow! So yeah, and you know, I try to. You know, you learn. You live and learn. That's what it is. That's what it is, man. As a, I mean, the the Mexican you know culture of, of boxing is is so different than the American culture or you know the European culture, right? Right. So one thing I was going to ask you about was something Oscar. It seemed like a bit of a challenge for him was to win over the Mexican fighters at a certain part of his career. I think maybe towards the tail end, he he started winning them over. But You're talking about the Mexican, the Mexican fans. Mexican fans, sorry, yeah. 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 Was that something that you had to deal with? I mean, growing up in, in the U.S., I know you were, you were born in Mexico, but, you know, growing up in the U.S., was that a challenge for you as well, or did, did Mexican fighting fans embrace you? No, nah, the, the Mexican fans, uh, they, they followed me. Uh, I think it has a lot to do with personality and the way the person is, I, I, I believe. What is that? I don't know, you know, but I, 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 uh, I've always had, uh, good contact with, you know, all my Mexican, all the Mexican fans, even from Mexico, you know, and Mexicans that are here in the United States, they've always followed me, you know, but I, I was the type of guy too that, you know, I was at the bar and, you know, people would be like, Hey, Raul Marquez, come on, let's go. Hey, you want to go to the house? We'll barbecue for you, have some beers. And guess what? Raul went over there. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was that kind of guy, and we'd be talking about boxing, and so maybe that has a lot to do with it. I would bet. You know, I, I, bet. I, I like the fiestas. You know, what's what's wrong with that? You're normal. I'm not. I am normal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I don't think I could see you know Oscar just showing up to like a block party, you know, after after the fight and, and hanging out, you know. But right, I mean, I, I was that kind of guy. Like people invite me, hey, you or you want to, you have another beer? Yeah, let's go. Let's have another beer. Want another tequila shot? Let's go. You know, we're, before we know we're buddies, we're friends. I mean, I was very, I'm a friendly type of guy. I'm a, I'm not saying Oscar is not friendly, you know, but everybody's different, man. Everybody's different. Right. Yeah. yeah. The way, I mean, just the way he carried himself in his career bears out more towards like celebrity status or kind of, kind of a yeah. similar path to the, the champions of, of today's era where, like you said, they're, they're a little bit more protected. You know, they don't, they don't put themselves out there as much versus, you know, right. somebody like you that would, would embrace that kind of thing. I mean, but look at Chavez. He 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 was more like, I mean, Chavez is a hero, man, because he was the kind of guy that would he he was embraced by everybody, all the Mexicans here in the United States and in Mexico, because he was that type of guy that would hang out with people at at the bar or wherever, you know. Uh, just preference. Yeah, I think Floyd tried to tap into that a little bit, right? Appealing to to the to the Mexican fighting fans and all that, even embracing like the, the bad boy, like his, uh, I think his uncle, right. Had that kind of bad boy thing where he was like egging on the Mexican fans in, in his career. Well, at the beginning, yes. When he was, uh, you know, pretty boy Floyd. But once I think, I think when he beat Oscar, man, that was the turning point right there. That's when it became uh, money May and he didn't really have to talk anymore. Like he did at the beginning. You know, he's so promoted, man. He knew he, what he was doing he, he from the beginning and he had to be that way. I know Floyd really well. He, he's a great guy, you know, but I know all the, all the smack he talked at the beginning uh, was to get all the fans to to buy the pay-per-view and see him lose. And, and some were curious to see what he's about. And some he had his own fans too, you know, but I know after he beat Oscar, uh, I think that's when he, like I said, I, I think that was the last time we saw Pretty Boy Floyd and it became Money May. And then he started really, making it rain all over the place with the money. Yeah. So, I mean, that was like 
almost 16 years ago. And I feel like yeah. new boxing fans, correct me if I'm wrong, don't really see the magnitude of De La Hoya's stardom. Like, what do you, can you tell us about how big of a star De La Hoya was going into that fight? That's a really good question, man, because I've always told people, uh, what compares, does anything nowadays compare to, because I fought on Oscars, uh, pay-per-view uh, cards, you know, when he, when he fought Camacho, when he fought Rivera, and I was around other ones. Nothing compares. I always tell people, man, Oscar used to bring in the people, man. It was um, it was crazy. He he was like a, it was like, I mean, with the women, with the girls, it was like he was the Beatles, man. I'm telling you, there was, hmm. I mean, you know, bras thrown at him and all cut, you know, panties. It was crazy, man. It uh, the fans like Vegas would be like not two days Friday and Saturday. It would be all week. The casinos crowded, people partying. The atmosphere, the, you know. Then the, the the day of the fight, the the movie stars, like the top movie stars, the top sports stars. I mean, everybody was there. What I, I mean, I, what Oscar did is it's incredible, man. I, and I never seen it again. Not not even with Canelo. I've been at some of Canelo's fights and. Uh, Nobody attracted, uh, I guess, you know, fans and, and you know, just every, like Oscar did. It, it, it's it's incredible. It, it really is. I don't know if we'll ever see it again. I don't know. If if uh, if Floyd was to fight tomorrow, do you think he would have that same kind of appeal, you know, like international and celebrities coming out and all that? Or you still think Oscar kind of topped him in terms of interest level? Oh, no. I mean, Oscar. Uh, there's no way. Nobody compares to Oscar. I don't think I don't think uh, Floyd would, would do that. And I don't think nobody can right now. Nobody has, not even Canelo. Like I said, I, I've, we all, we've always talked about that, just being around, uh, you know, boxing at different events and stuff. And people ask me, and I'm like, man, Oscar used to really, it, it, was, a, it was a mega event. It was incredible. It really was. Going, going into that fight, as, as you were looking at both guys and kind of where they were in their career trajectories, how did you think it was going to play out? Did you think Oscar could hold him off and, and win, or did you think it was Mayweather's time to, to take over? I, I, I saw it as a 50-50 fight, but, you know, I know I knew that, that Floyd was young. You know, he was hungry. He had been active. You know, he, he was active of, of fighting. And Oscar was, you know, he he chose and picked who he wanted to fight. He I believe he, you know, he wasn't that active uh, when he fought Floyd. He had only fought, like, three times in 32 months or something. That was the thir third time finding 32 months. And Oscar was older too. He had been in some, you know, wars. I, I believe that, you know, it, it probably helped Floyd that he caught Oscar at the end of his career. It helped him to some extent. But even if I believe it, even if they would have fought when Oscar was at his peak, I still think Floyd would have pulled it out. And I have reasons for that. Because I, you know, like even an older Pernell Whitaker, I used to probably Pernell Whitaker a lot because I used to be in the, the Duva camp. And an older Pernell Whitaker, uh, he gave Oscar a hell of a fight, man. And I thought it was a lot closer than what the judges had it. Mm -hmm. And it was an old Pernell Whitaker. I mean, I sparred with a, a young Pernell Whitaker when I was 16, 17, 18 in, in training camp. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, Floyd, whether, you know, even if he would have fought Oscar, when Oscar was younger at his peak, I think we still would have seen the same result. So, man, you just thought, you remind me of Pernell Whitaker. Who was mm -hmm. a better fighter, Pernell Whitaker or Floyd Mayweather? No, that's that's hard, man. I, I've never was in the ring with Floyd, you know, but Pernell, 
he was a master, man. I I learned so much from him. Uh, you know, his jab, the way he dissected with his jab, the way he got down low, the way he made people miss, the way he clowned fighters. Uh, he uh, and he had respectable power. I mean, he he was great, man. I, I love Pernell. I uh, he I learned a lot from him. I was in camp with him a lot. You know, when when I was with the Dubas, uh, I was straight out of the Olympics. I mean, I, I was in there with Melrick Taylor, Pernell Whitaker. Yeah, I want to go back even more. Rocky Lockridge, Johnny Bumpus, uh, Vinny Pazienza, John Jamalina. I sparred wow. all those guys back in the days, man. I I go way back, <laughs> and I learned a lot, and, I, and I'm and I'm blessed to be where I'm at, you know, because boxing, this is a totally different subject. It's a tough sport, man, and and a bunch of those fighters, you know, that I've been around, they they come and go, and they get affected from, uh, you know, from from punching. You know, I'm just happy to be where I'm at and doing TV with Showtime as a broadcaster. I think I carry myself well. I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm that punchy. Maybe when I have a couple of tequila shots, I do sound punchy. You know, but we all do. <laughs> <laughs> we all do. There, there we go. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do you think though that um, like kind of getting out at the right time helped you to have career longevity besides besides just fighting? You know, like with the sport. And uh, being I, able to be able I to mean, I, I got out at 37. Man, I was still trying to win a. You know. This is this is Raul, you know. This is my attitude, you know. I I worked myself up when I came back. I, I probably retired like three or four times in boxing because you know I lost. Oh, I'm retired. Oh no, I'm I'm gonna come back. When I saw Jermaine Taylor beat Hopkins, I'm like, man, I'm coming back. Jermaine Taylor beat you know Bernard Hopkins, and you know I, I got to come back again for one more because I lost to uh, Jermaine. Uh, and he stopped me in nine rounds. I wasn't hurt, but he did stop me. It was middleweight, you know. That wasn't really my weight. Trying to cash in on my name and an opportunity but i worked myself up to fighting uh arthur abraham you know i've, I've i had i beat bronco mccard and then I've, I've fought uh who else did i fight uh, giovanni lorenzo on showtime mm-hmm. it was an eliminator it was uh, lorenzo at that time was a younger guy he was supposed to beat me undefeated prospect knockout artist and i took him to school man at 37 i beat him on showtime on, on the arthur abraham uh, miranda uh, a card, undercard. That was the co-main event. And the winner was supposed to fight Arthur Abraham for the middleweight title. And sure enough, I went to Germany. First time I went to Germany, I, the fight got canceled the day of the fight because Abraham was sick. Then I had to come back to Germany. It got rescheduled. Anyways, the rest is history. I, my dad stopped the fight uh, after the sixth round. Uh, you know, I, I saw that I wasn't going to beat him, so my dad stopped him, stopped the fight. And, uh, I fought for the middleweight title at age 37, man, against a monster, too, Arthur Abraham. I earned it. In his prime. I feel like everything I've ever done, I've always, in, in boxing, even as a broadcaster, I've always earned it, you know? Yeah, definitely. No, I mean, you've, like, we talk about your career. You fought Shane Mosley, Var- Vargas. You fought, like I said, fought Hall of Famers. Yeah. Galore. Yeah. I fought, I fought Shane Mosley trying to get Oscar in the ring with me. I fought Shane the same year that, uh, Oscar fought him again, the rematch, and lost to him again. That's right. I fought him in February, and then I think Oscar fought him in September. And Shane won. So, Close fight. Yeah. So, uh, thinking back on Oscar De La Hoya fighting, given, like, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like yeah. Oscar De La Hoya gave Mayweather an opportunity to, to become a star. And he also did the Oh, same. absolutely. Okay. Yeah, that that is the fight that made that made Floyd Mayweather. I mean, before that, Mayweather had fought Castillo, I believe, twice. 
Corrales, Shambay Mitchell, uh, Zab Judah, Arturo Gaddy, Jesse James Leja. I was there when he won the title against uh, Chicanito Hernandez. I was there for that fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but not someone like uh, the, to the magnitude, the name, the, the superstar name as Oscar De La Hoya. I mean, that, that fight, that is what made Floyd who he is now, you know. Money made Floyd, and uh, that's that's what made his name bigger, and he was able to cross over to that where people all over the world uh, know Floyd Mayweather. Do you, do you think that Mayweather did not give someone else that opportunity as he got older? Like the way De La Hoya gave him an opportunity? Well, I mean, you know, possibly, yeah. Possibly, yeah. I'm, I'm sure there was some fighters out there that that Floyd maybe avoided, you know, because styles make fights. Styles make fights. Uh, but, you know, Oscar also gave him the opportunity because he knew that you got to have the right dance partner. He knew that that fight, well, that, that fight made Oscar like 52, mil, 52 million. I mean, he knew that that fight was going to make him a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And Oscar thought he could pull it out. So, you know, it takes the right opponent uh, to be able to make a, a fight of that magnitude and uh, make all that money for, for the fighters. Do you do you think there's guys now that can kind of help elevate the sport back to to those days when, when you guys were fighting? You know, it seemed, it seemed like back then, every month, every two months, there was a, a major fight that we wanted to tune into. And it wasn't just a pay-per-view or, you know, something on the zone. It was, you know, at that time, HBO. I think Showtime was starting to break out later in the 2000s, but there, there seemed mm-hmm. just to be more boxing around and people could could watch it and access it. Do you think there's guys today that kind of have that appeal that would make people tune in if, if the, the fights were on? Yeah, there's a lot of talent out there. There's a lot of talented fighters. Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, the, the top guys don't want to fight the top guys, but now we see it happening. I mean, a guy that really doesn't care, he's got that attitude, like, I'll fight whoever. David Benavides, you know, I think he wants to fight the best to be the best. I think he's got that kind of attitude. Uh, I think we got to have more guys like that, you know, with that kind of attitude. That way, you know, people will tune in. And, uh, you know, the series we have on Showbox, you know, some of those, sometimes those fights be better than the mega fights because those guys are trying to make it to the big fights, you know, and you got two undefeated fighters that, that want to fight each other. And we always have that on Showbox, you know, uh, and that's good. We need to have more of that because, uh, you know, it, it's okay to take one loss. You know, one loss, you're going to learn from it. Even two losses, you you learn and you get better. You know, look at uh, Oshaki Foster, who we had on Showbox. Uh, he took two losses on Showbox, and he didn't look that good. I remember one time he, he froze up. He literally froze up uh, in Vegas. It was, it was a cold night in Vegas, uh, in old Vegas, and uh, he Oshaki just couldn't pull the trigger, man. But look at him now. He's a world champion. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, I think a lot of those prospects that are undefeated, that are, it's okay. Like, my advice is it's okay if, you, you know, you fight another undefeated guy at the right time. If you lose, it's not the end of the world. Um, now, you know, now we, we finally got, you know, Tank Davis fighting Ryan Garcia. That's what we want to see. You know, hopefully we could get Errol Spence against Crawford. That's another fight that people want to see. Been waiting for that one for a while. 
Yeah, we, we, we've been waiting for that for a while, but I'm glad we got Tank Davis and, and Gar- Garcia. That's great. Benavides and Plant, that's another good fight. Benavides wants to fight the best. Yeah. Uh, I'm not worried about that guy saying no to anybody. One, one more question for you, Raul, just about uh, going backwards a little bit, but talking about the uh, yeah, that's fine. Your, your time with you know Olympic boxing. It seemed like back in the mm-hmm. you know the 70s and 80s and even in the 90s that the guys that we would see fighting in the Olympics would be the ones that would kind of take the reins of the sport and all that. Was there something within that culture as you guys were training and, and actually at the games that, that kind of helped you prepare to be on that next stage that maybe some of these guys in this generation are missing out on? Well, I think the amateur system, you know, like back in the 84 Olympics, you know, all those guys that came out of there, Bernal Whitaker, Meldrick Taylor, uh, Evander Holyfield, Mark Breland was a decorated amateur. Um, you know, and then you got 88 Olympics, Michael Carper Hall, a uh, bunch of those guys, Roy Jones, Ray Mercer, uh, who else was on there uh, that comes to mind? Ray Anyways, Rowe. and then my team, my team, you know, we had Oscar De Hoya, of course, Vernon Forrest, uh, myself, you know, uh, Tim Austin, Sergio Reyes, a bunch of those guys, uh, Montel Griffin. Uh, I, I think that the amateurs, even 96 Olympics, you know, Floyd Mayweather, Fernando Vargas. Um, I think the USA amateur program back then, you know, we we were competing all the time, guys. We had tournaments all the time. And not only that, we were competing against countries. I remember me being half of the year at the Olympic Training Center, training there uh, in Colorado Springs. And we would fly out to Moscow, you know, to Germany, Italy, France, you know, Spain, Germany, we were everywhere. You know, there was, I mean, I fought the Russians like six times. I fought the Cubans uh, two times. I fought the Germans, the Italians, Canadians, Mexico. Too. A lot of international dual meets, you know, and a lot of tournaments here in, in the United States. And I don't think it's like the same anymore like it used to be. Uh, you know, my son, you know, I have to bring up my son, Giovanni Marquez. You know, he fought, he we would go to different national tournaments and, you know, sometimes we didn't get the decision that went our way. We thought it could have gone our way. We lost close fights, but, you know, he finally won the national golden gloves and he got the outstanding fighter award. He, he's pro now, but we, we could have waited for the Olympics, but we decided not to go. I don't think the Olympics mean what they used to mean back then. That's my opinion. A gold medal. Man, I mean, Hey, listen, maybe a gold medal, obviously. Yeah silver medal but a gold medal maybe to a promoter yeah you got they're gonna have to pay up it's a decorated amateur won a gold medal promote you know uh he's gonna be promoted right you you want a guy like that but i don't think that that olympic thing means what it used to mean back when like uh 76 84 olympics 88 92 96 olympics that's that's just my opinion yeah the olympics so we that's what we turn pro yeah the olympics are covered differently now too right i mean the 92, I mean, 96 was in the U.S., so obviously that was a big deal for us here, right. domestically. But 92 is iconic just because of everything going on geopolitically, right? It was like Europe was, well, that was a, coming together and the Cold mm-hmm. War was ending, right? Yeah. So, And that was the first time they used the computer scoring system, too. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of you know, bad decisions, not just for the USA, but for other a lot of other countries, you know. Um, Things have changed a lot. I, I just, you know, I really believe that 
yeah, the amateur system is great, you know, like get experience, keep fighting. I, uh, that's what I told. I just had this, this kid, uh, his parents called me from, uh, I believe Florida. He's like a junior Olympic national champion. He's a, he's a heavyweight guy. I said, man, he's young. He's 16. You know, you don't want to turn pro right now. Keep getting that amateur experience. Cause if you really think about it, when you turn pro, you're not going to fight King Kong. You got to build up the fighters. So the, the, the amateur fights are going to be harder now. And you get more experience, you learn more than what you're going to, if he, it was to turn pro, you know, why even turn pro? So get the experience, win national titles. Uh, and, and then, you know, wait till you're 20, 21, 22, and then go from there, you know, but you don't need to be turned pro right now. It's too early. Yeah. That was my advice. Yeah. And internationally, you just get exposed to so many different styles. Like you were saying, fighting the Cubans is going to be different than fighting the Russian guys versus exactly. fighting the Russian guys. And you could adapt. It's about adapting, you know, that way, just like in the pros, you know, when you're coming up, of course, you know, of course you got like my son, he, he, he can't fight guys that are too experienced yet, but you know, we, we're matching them up with some good, some decent guys that some guys are strong. Some guys are fast. Some guys are just going to hold you. Some guys are going to run that way. When the time comes and gets tested, you know, he, if he's able to adapt to all those other styles that we've been matching him up with, he could make the changes, those changes during the fight. Because sometimes, you know, you got to have game game plan, you know, game, you know, plan one, plan one, plan two, plan three, you know, plan A, plan B, plan C, whatever. And if he's able to adapt, you know, that that's that shows that he's grown as a fighter. Was De La Hoya a star in the Olympics before he won the gold? That's a great story. That's another. You ask good questions. No, I was a star. I was a star in amateurs. Mm-hmm. In 19, uh, let's see, I won the Nationals in 1989. I believe Oscar in 1990. Oscar came in in 91. I believe he had won the National Golden Gloves. I remember meeting Oscar in the in the, the Olympic training center in the, in, the, in the barracks, you know, where we stayed at. He came up to me, you know, with East L.A. Uh, accident, accent, you know. <laughs> You know what you guys? You guys know what the East LA accent no, what is, man. It? like? <laughs> I, I, can't, I don't know how to say. It. I mean, it's like, hey, I mean, uh, like, I don't know. He said, "Oh, you're from Houston. You're Raul Marquez, Raul Marquez." Oh, see, sí, see, sí. like, yeah. And then we just started hanging out, man. We started hanging out, and before you know, we're, you know, we're we're roommates everywhere. We compete, you know, and going to Australia, going to uh, Italy, different uh, dual meets, different tournaments here. In, we just hooked up, yeah, and then and then you know he obviously he is the goal. He won the gold medal, and that's that's when he really became the big star. You know, the, after the gold medal, and I remember having uh, his his uh, uncle or cousin uh, Adrian passed, and he he was promoting him a lot and trying to push him a lot too. So, uh, but yeah, actually, I, I mean, and I say it so freely, but I, I was the guy in the uh, from eighty nine and ninety two. I was the the uh, amateur boxing star. But when Astro came in, especially when he won the gold medal, that he took over. Like when your roommates, are you guys staying in dorm, yeah. dorm rooms? Are you guys dorm, staying- Yeah, dorms. Okay. So is it like dorm room as far as like, uh, is there is it like hotel style or is there like a bathroom down the hallway? Like what's it like? Like what's a, what's a well, like? uh, I mean, it, at the Olympic Training Center, it has changed a lot. I went there recently, man. Those guys are spoiled, man. They 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 live like hotel <laughs> life. Uh, it, it has grown so much. It's man, it's unbelievable. I wish it would have been like that for us, but us was like like army army dorms, the army barracks, you know, mm-hmm. uh, bunk beds, 
you know, bunk beds and uh and then we don't have a restroom there. You gotta go to the restroom uh, in the hallway. Everybody shares the restroom in the hallway. Uh, it was that kind of deal. Yeah. And uh, but, but 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 let me tell you something. Those days, man, I'll never forget. There's so many, there's so many fighters that, and we we keep in touch. We're we're like on a on a, a group text. Uh, Ivan Robinson. I don't know if you guys have yeah. Ivan Robinson. Uh, Montel Griffin, Chris Bird. You you name it, man. So many. Sergio Reyes, Polly Ayala, uh, Tim Austin, uh, Daniel Nicholson, uh, who else? Even guys that were like maybe three, four rated in the uh, in the nation. We all keep in touch, you know. But th- those were the best days of my boxing career. We had we, you know, we did we had so much fun in Colorado Springs. We did so many crazy things too, you know, and and. Uh, you know, we're 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 teammates for life, man. That group is like we always keep in touch, and uh, it's 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 a good thing. What about the the atmosphere itself, just of those games, bro? Like going into it, like did it when you got there? Did you like feel that that atmosphere? Like did it hit you the weight of what you were getting into? And listen, it it's now that I'm older, you know, and even. Not just now, but a couple of years back to, you know, that when you're at that age, you, it's different, man. You, you, you know how you always go back. Oh, I wish I would have done this. I was, you know, you, you guys, been, I, yeah, you yeah. guys thought of stuff like that, right? I mean, I don't know how old you guys are, but uh, I'm 51, right? So, and my oldest son is 30. I have a 26 and then I have Joanna is 22. And then I have, I started all over again. Got little ones. I remarried. My wife is younger, so. I have a five-year-old and then I have a four-year-old little girl. But when I go back, man, you got to understand, I was a top amateur. So I was used to being a top elite guy. Like, so I made the Olympic team. Yeah, and I look at the guys that I beat to make the Olympic team, you know. And even the guy that won the gold medal, Juan Lemos, I, I, I beat him three months before the Olympics, you know. Except it wasn't the Olympics. Now that I through the years that I seen the magnitude, how important the Olympics was. I'm not saying I didn't think of the Olympics being important back then, but you just young and stupid. You think different, man. I'm, okay. I'm on the USA team. I'm the man. I, that was my attitude. I'm the man. It's not a big deal. I'm used to being number one. I'm used to being number one and I'm going to the Olympics. Yes. I remember the Olympic ceremonies. It was great. Just walking into the stadium, walking with, you know, representing my, our country, you know, United States, and then also me as a, a Mexican American. You know, I was born in Mexico, came here to the United States, and I'm I'm here. You know, this is this is awesome. And then the Dream Team, you know, Magic Johnson, Charles Barkley, all those guys hanging out with them at at the uh, Olympic Village, seeing all the athletes. Oh, man, that was great. You know, and uh, but you know, me me winning. You know, my first fight, the second fight. The third, me for like as as cocky as it sounds, but it's not being cocky, it's just being confident. I was just used to winning, so you know, I thought I was gonna go in there and just win this tournament. You know, it's not a big deal. I win tournaments all the time, so I win the first fight. I fought uh, David De Fabian. He recently passed away. He's a heavyweight. He he was from uh, Nigeria, and he came back the following Olympics as a heavyweight. Wow. All guy. And 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 got a silver medal. He went to Canada. Got a silver medal at the, the, the Olympics in uh Atlanta and lost to uh Felix Savon in the finals. 
got a silver medal. Yeah, so I beat him. Then I beat another guy from Seashells. Then I lost in the quarterfinals to Orphan de Libas, okay, from the Holland, Netherlands. That guy went on to the finals and loses to Juan Lemos, where I had beat three months before the Olympics. And then Orphan de Libas, if you watch the fight, I mean, he had a real awkward style, but I was up. I was up. Going into the third round, I was up. Going into the mid of the middle of the third round, I was still up. The middle of the third round. This is the quarterfinal match to go into the semifinals. At least guaranteed a bronze medal. And I don't know what happened, man. All of a sudden, I mean, you guys who watched the fight is somewhere on, on YouTube. It, it just beep, 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 beep. And I lost like 17 to 12 or 13 or something like that. But I was up into the mid middle of the third round. I was up. And then the second half, so the next minute and a half, it, I, it just went BB and I lost. I don't know what happened. They gave more points. I, I still thought I won the I still thought I won the fight. I think uh, Bob Papa was one of the broadcasters with Wally Matthews on that Olympic triple cast. And uh Bob Papa thought I won. Wally said, oh, I don't I don't know, it's a close fight. But I thought I pulled it out. And you know, what hurt the most is that Juan Lemos, you know, won the gold medal and the guy that I lost to got the silver. I, I, I should have been there. Wow. It would have been me. So yeah, I know. But yeah. I'm here with you guys. That's that's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> we're thankful for it. Yeah, man, we are. This, this is a lot of fun. It is. So, man, I mean, you've had such a storied career. You, you you're giving us stories that are like all over the place, and we really appreciate. Yeah, I know. Your time. No, I no, know. we really, really appreciate your time. Um, it's just so interesting to us that you've you've touched greatness. You know, like you, you're a great fighter. Yeah. And you're you're passing it on to the next generation. Yeah. And you at your prime, you were at a level in boxing when boxing was honestly, in our opinion, at one of its greatest stages. Like what do you think it like how do you compare You guys it? you guys are in y'all's late thirties or forties or something yeah, like that or what? Forties. Yeah. I'm in my early forties. Yeah. Okay, yeah. No, I, I could I no, because I know those are the people that I run into like y'all's age and they man. Man, they're like fascinated with me like they're and I'm of course I like it because you know I feel respected and man I like uh because they followed the the sport when I was on you know the, the Olympic guy the you know the professional fighter world champion and all that it feels great man it, it feels it's a good feeling it's a good feeling you know the younger generation they don't like they don't know they don't know about me you know but I, I like i said i'm i'm blessed you know because i i felt i had a, a great amateur career i was a top amateur you know as a pro i still was able to win a world title you know and i i think that you know me and my father made some managerial mistakes and uh, it just experience you know but i still i still became world champion i fought some of the best guys to try to be the best and and then as a broadcaster too you know like i've been doing this for a long time as a broadcaster uh and now I have. I'm training my son, who, uh, who, as a matter of fact, he left today. He he went to he's went to Vegas, uh, and I knew they were gonna like him. Uh, he went to go spar Shakur because we we spar Shakur Stevenson in Houston, and my son gave him good work, and they they want him. My son's gonna be there for three weeks uh, sparring with Shakur, and then uh, he'll come back with me after the Benavides fight, and then he fights the following week in Houston at his uh, old uh, high school gymnasium. Wow. Where he graduated from, so it's a big thing for us in Houston. It'll be his fifth professional fight, fifth professional fight 
he's four and zero with three knockouts, and hopefully he'll be five and zero with four knockouts. And uh, we would, you know, I'm 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 hoping to to get him up there, man. It's it's a tough sport. I think he's he's got the skills. He's his his uh, his style is is very different from mine, you know. Uh, but he's 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 a good fighter, and uh, you know, a lot of it is timing and and markability and you know all that goes together and i think he's got i think it's a good package he's a good package and and make sure you guys follow him and, and i'm sure you guys are gonna hear about him down the line oh for sure yeah. were you were you excited when he wanted to get into boxing or how did you approach him? nah i wasn't but, uh, my oldest son raul uh jr he's 30 he 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 tried boxing you know but um it, it you know it wasn't he, he was good he was good but you know he loved the fiesta too much. He loved the woman and the partying too much, the tequila too much. <laughs> and then Arturo, Arturo was a fighter. Uh, we he had signed with Top Rank, you know, and uh, we got him a ten and zero with six knockouts. Uh, but somebody they poked his eye and it was giving him problems. And I said, hey, you know, it it just it's not a good idea to feed it. It wasn't a detached retina. It was a a corneal abrasion, and it would give him problems. Uh, the last two fights he had, it would get irritated. And I said, man, the caps are going to get harder. The fights are going to get harder. The sparring is going to get harder. So you don't need to continue. So we took him out of boxing. But Giovanni, who's 22, like I said, he's the one that's like the more accomplished amateur. He, he made it to the semifinals as a couple of nationals. And he uh, he lost to Tiger Johnson. Uh, Tiger, is that a Tiger Johnson? Tiger, yeah, he's with top rank. He was the... Yeah, prospect. Yeah, yeah. He lost to him in the Olympic trials. Uh, trying to make not not the Olympic trials. Yeah, one of the one of the uh, eliminators uh, to try to make the Olympics. He lost to him, uh, in you know one of the tournaments. I believe it was in Oxnard, California. Uh, so then, and then Giovanni stayed amateur another year. Won the national gold gloves. Got the outstanding fighter. But he's. Uh, I didn't want, no, I, I, none of my kids, I didn't want him to box. My dad is the one that got him into boxing. And then Giovanni always asked me, like, I want to box, I want to box. He played football and, you know, baseball, soccer, all that. I didn't want him to box. And I said, well, come to the gym, you know. And he, when he was little, he, he came to the gym and he stuck to it, stuck to it. He lost his first amateur fight. And uh, look where he's at now. Like, he's, he's doing way better than back then, you know, so. Uh, but you know, like I said, boxing—it's—it's it's tough sport. They're my kids, and uh, like Giovanni's the only one that's boxing right now. And uh, I gotta support him if he wants to try it. I gotta—I gotta give him all and see how far he could go. Yeah, I think one of the blessings of being a parent um, is—you uh, know—I've got two of my own. Is, is looking back on yeah. the mistakes we made, right? You were saying it's like, oh, I wish I could have done this or that, and not reliving yes. your life through them, but just kind of taking care of some of the issues that you ran into, you know, making sure they don't stumble on the same things that, that you did back in the day. That's, so. that's, that's exactly what I tell them. I tell them a lot of mistakes that I did made were, or uh, I shouldn't have done, or even managerial mistakes that, like I said, me and my father made that I, I try not to make with him. And, uh, yeah, you learn, you learn and, and try to incorporate it into my son's future and, and hopefully it'll pay off. So we've talked about De La Hoya. As yes. you're coming up as a as a professional, do you did you feel like you were a better fighter than De La Hoya? Of course, man. Everybody has their like I yeah. was more of a 
and and when in the amateur we would always talk about Chris Bird and De La Hoya, who else? Pepe Riley, who's from L.A. He was my uh, he was one forty seven Olympic guy, Olympic teammate too. Uh, Vernon Forrest. We would always talk about dream matches. Uh, De La Hoya, Marquez, you know, but you know, of course, Oscar was one thirty two. I was one fifty six. Um, I felt that uh, I felt I had a lot of talent, man. I was strong. I had some power. Oscar was fast and had power too. You know, we, we obviously we were there for a reason. We all had talent. Mm-hmm. You know, we we're on the national team. We made the Olympic team, and uh, I think a lot of it had to, has to do with the way a fighter is moved, uh, his markability. Oscar was the golden boy. Won the gold medal. Uh, sometimes he didn't have to fight King Kong to, to win titles. Uh, people like me, we, I had to, you know, I had to fight King Kong to try to win a world title, you know, or, or fight the bigger names, try to get to the bigger fights. That's just the way it went. So you're like maybe four or five years professional when Mayweather became a professional. What did you think of him as a, as you were, as you were coming up in the ranks? You know, Floyd fought for top rank, you know, and I remember when I fought for top rank and I trained at top rank's gym, I remember Floyd uh, being in the gym and watching me work out and stuff. So I know, I know Floyd for a long time. And, you know, Floyd obviously, you know, he's a student at the game. He, he, he followed the 92 Olympic team, you know, because he was a top amateur. So, yeah, but I do remember Floyd uh, being there and, and and I saw Floyd. I said, that kid's going to be good because I saw how fast he was and his elusiveness and uh, his, uh, his just his work ethic. You know, he was always there at the gym and worked hard all the, all the time. So going into, all right, we're talking about the, the De La Hoya Mayweather fight. Right. Um, were you still fighting at the time? Yeah. yeah. Of course I was still fighting. Yeah. So 2007, is, right? Yeah, 2007. Yes, yeah, I was still fighting. And what were your feelings like? Was that a big event to you? Was that something like, oh man, like I I should have been there, or was it like this is great? No, it was a big event, man. It was a big, big, huge event. I remember the hype, you know, the whole the uh, press conferences, the 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 tours. You know, they stopped in Houston. Yep. And I remember that, uh, you know, I was. It, it was crazy to, for the press conference. You had thousands of people there. Thousands. It was in downtown Houston. And, uh, of course, I was I was trying to get Oscars, trying to get in with him, his people and all that, you know, take pictures. And I brought my son, uh, Raul Jr. At that point, he was boxing. And, uh, I, you know, I couldn't get to my Olympic roommate, teammate. I, I just security. It was, it was just crazy. I couldn't get to him, right? His people around, whatever, for whatever reason, man, I couldn't get to him. So, but I was able to get to Floyd, you know, it was easy to get to Floyd. And, you know, Floyd's always been a, a, a great guy with me and my, and all my kids. And, you know, he was giving my son advice and, you know, he's like, man, I got this guy. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I want you to know I'm real, you know, touch me, touch me, you know, I'm real. <laughs> you know, those guys over there, they're made out of plastic, they're plastic. And, uh, I'm saying that because, Floyd had a lot of lines, man. To be honest with you, I really believe he got under Oscar's skin for that fight. I really believe he got under Oscar's skin, you know, and, and pissed Oscar off. And and I think that helped Floyd during the fight. 
and without the whole promotional tour that they did before the fight, I think he just knew he, he knew how to push Oscar push Oscar's buttons, man. And I think it, it got to Oscar. What's between them? Who do you think won? That's a debate. between Oscar. Yeah, between be, between Oscar and, and and I thought Floyd won the fight, man. Yeah, yeah. I had it. Uh, I think I had it like one sixteen, one twelve for Floyd. Yeah, Oscar started fading a little bit later. Well, I think that the 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 key was the jab. I think I think the key was the jab for Floyd, uh, that pot pot shot jab, and and kind of like a like the right hand, the way he threw it, like almost like a slapping right hand, you know. But it would stop Oscar in his tracks, and Oscar stopped jabbing. Oscar has a man. Oscar's jab was on point. Like he he had a really good job at it. I think like around the eighth round, he just stopped. He stopped jabbing. Mm-hmm. He was just walking in and. He got tired, and you know Floyd wasn't didn't throw more punches, but the ones that he threw were very ac- accurate. And he would he would just he would throw one two or a jab, and he would spin him off. You know he never he would spin off Oscar. He never uh, stood in front of Oscar. And a lot of the right hands that he was throwing that Oscar was throwing, Floyd would roll off of him. You know, and of course you know Oscar threw furries and all that. People would get excited, but a lot of those furries were up in the air, man. They were missing. If you really watch the fight, and I had to watch it again, by the way, uh, Oscar was missing a lot of shots. Uh, I think, like up until the sixth, seventh round, Oscar was still in the fight. But I believe it was like, the, like I believe, like maybe round ten, for sure, ten, eleven, and twelve, uh, even nine. I believe nine, ten, eleven, and twelve. I, I just believe that Lloyd's, uh, you know, boxing IQ, you know, his ring IQ, and he was just. His sharpness uh, just took over, and uh, like I said, Oscar was was missing a lot of big shots, and he get I think he got tired and he stopped. He stopped throwing the jab. Uh, that was a that was a, Oscar has a really good jab, man. And every time he threw the jab early on, uh, when he threw the jab, he was more successful. But he stopped throwing the jab. Right. I think Floyd was able to neutralize that by jabbing with with the jabber, you know, and and that's what that's what Floyd did. His jab was more accurate and faster, and it got. And it got it got to Oscar. Yeah, it seems like Floyd doesn't fatigue in his fights, you know. Versus the guys that he's fighting against, seem to slow down, and he just starts picking them apart somewhere in the middle rounds. Yeah, that, that that's exactly what happened in like the ninth, tenth, eleventh round, twelfth. He was picking Oscar apart, like he got his second win, and I, I feel like he gets better as a, like you're saying, he gets better as the fight goes, and uh, and he stays focused. He doesn't let anything get to him, like. Like I said, Oscar had him on the ropes a lot, uh, but Oscar was hitting the, his shoulders, his arms, and and you know the shoulder roll, man. He he would he would roll that and come back and counter and spit him off, and yeah, the people would get excited because Floyd was in the in the in the ropes or the corners, and Oscar's throwing a lot of flurries, but those furs, a lot of those furs were missing, or they were hitting the shoulders or the arms. They they were never really catching. Uh, Floyd uh, like flush, you know, and every when when Floyd did throw, his punches were flush. You know, you could see them snap Oscar's head back. It wasn't a lot, but when he did throw them, they would count. Yep. Because I believe uh, the punch that I believe Oscar threw more punches, but didn't connect as much as uh, as Floyd. Yeah. And that was that was the result. That's what happened. Right, and we only have a few more questions. I know you have to go. Uh, Yeah. No, that's fine. 
after you know we were talking earlier about De La Hoya giving Mayweather an opportunity, who do you think mm-hmm. Mayweather should have uh, gave an opportunity before he retired to like I guess pass the torch? Now, I don't think he did. Yeah. Well, let's see. What fighters were there? What Floyd was still fighting? Uh, it's a hard question. I can't think of who was there. There was. Uh, I guess like Errol Spence. Yeah. Errol was there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Errol Crawford. I think that those were. I believe it was Errol. You know, because Errol had a sparring match with uh, with Floyd, where he did well. And uh, but yeah, I think a guy like Errol would have been a good uh, opportunity to, uh, or for Errol. You know, hey, look, uh, he's a new guy coming up, and Floyd is on his way out. But you know, Floyd didn't want—he didn't want to lose that zero, man. That that zero means a lot to him, and I think that's what it was. But I think I think Errol would have been the guy to to. It's yeah, that that would have been the guy. That's who, yeah, that's what we always talked about. Like you know, Floyd should hand over the this to to. The torch to Errol, you know, but you know, Errol's doing good. Yeah. Hopefully he'll make the Crawford fight. So <laughs> and well, you know what, Raul man, we really appreciate your time. This was a great conversation. Like this was like back and forth. I felt like we could have went for hours. Right? I know we talked about oh, we could keep talking about oh, like we could talk about so much stuff, man. So yeah. much other stuff that happened in camps. I've been through so much, man. Just being in the Duba camps, you know, being in Pernod Whitaker camps in San Antonio, Houston, Phoenix. Uh, Fort Pierce, Florida, you know, Arturo Gaddy, yeah. uh, Andrew Galata, David Tua, Virginia <laughs> Beach, Virginia. I mean, that, man, I got so much stuff to talk about, but uh, thank you guys for, for uh, having me on, man. I really appreciate it. You got it. Yeah, we cover we cover a lot of fights from, you know, the era that you were in, even the era as, as you were coming up and, and now the era that you're covering. So I'm sure there'll be a lot more opportunities for us to chat. So thank you so much. Oh, absolutely, man. Got to got to bring my son up too when he's when he gets up there and uh you know, promote him. Yeah, man, for definitely. Sure. For sure. Looking forward to it. Thank you, Raul. Appreciate and, it. Man. And thanks to Steve Pratt for hooking us up too, man. Dude. You got us the, the Pratt man, the Pratt mobile. <laughs> Pratt's the man. Pratt was telling Oh, me he some, is the man. Yeah. He was telling me some cool stories about you, man. I I, I don't want to like <laughs> touch into it too much like 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 all these like stories about your guys' like amateur career and stuff and, like De La Hoya and like the girls and all that. That's off the record. We yeah. we stopped recording that. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be the, the the other part whenever we yeah. Behind <laughs> the scenes. That's the after hour over some tequila conversation, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's it. That's it, bro. That, wait, I wish we could have a show like that. That I always think about how man, I wish we could have a show like that. We're drinking tequila. You could talk about anything, but you know how you know how the world is nowadays. It's kinda of hard. So Yeah. I know. We'll have to bleep out a lot of stuff I mean, and have a good editor. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. All right, guys. Cool, man. Awesome, Appreciate you, Thank you man.